whenever you get to a stage, you have to unlearn a lot of the things you do. And then that takes you in a valley of death through the process while you relearn new things. And then it will take you to the next level. Welcome to Fascinating Entrepreneurs. How do people end up becoming an entrepreneur? How do they scale and grow their businesses? How do they plan for profit? Are they in it for life or are they building to exit? These and a myriad of other topics will be discussed to pull back the veil on the wizardry of successful and fascinating entrepreneurs. Did you know that I love helping entrepreneurs like you scale and grow your business efficiently to enable revenue and profits to grow faster so you can enjoy the fruits of your labor more fully? I use real-world experience of owning and running a profitable multi-million dollar company that has been on the Inc. 5000 list of fastest growing companies in America for three years in a row. That coupled with studies at Babson College, the Entrepreneurial Master's Program at MIT and Harvard gives me the unique ability to help entrepreneurs see your blind spots and move over the road bumps faster. I help entrepreneurs like you break through your plateau and reach higher levels of achievement. For more information, go to my website, natashamiller.co. Daniel Marcos is the CEO of Growth Institute, which he founded with business leader Vern Harnish. We talk about the big wins and low losses in his companies before focusing his energy on helping entrepreneurs scale and grow their businesses. Now let's get right into it. So I've been a real entrepreneur for 21 years. My first endeavor was when I was like eight or nine years old and did an aquarium and sold fish. And then I sold t-shirts and like, you can imagine everything that I could sell, I sold. But that was kind of trying to play to be an entrepreneur until I really worked five years for three years in a brokerage house, trading stocks, and two years in government. I worked for the Mexican consulate in Hong Kong for two years. And that's when I really learned discipline, focus, leadership, all that. And then when I built a company after that, it was completely different. So we built the first fintech or financial technology company in Mexico. We almost were a unicorn back in 1999. So we started the operation in Mexico and I had a competitor in Argentina that he said he was coming to Mexico. And one day he called me and said, hey, I'm looking to raise this $50 million from Goldman Sachs, but I need to have Mexico and you're the best in Mexico. Why don't you partner with us, merge, and then we'll do it together. And I was like, okay, he did the same in Brazil. So if you look into Latin America, Mexico and Brazil are probably half of the GDP of the region. So when someone in Argentina says that they want to be the regional player or the regional leader, you cannot be the leader without Mexico and Brazil. So Goldman, JP said, hey, get me the best in Mexico, the best in Brazil, and we'll talk. So we did the agreement. Next week, we flew to New York and said, now we have Argentina, Mexico, Brazil, and Argentina already had Chile and Venezuela. So now we could be the regional player, give us money. We raised $53 million, grew it significantly to 1,200 employees and sold it to Santander for over $700 million. That was the first one. And then he did a mortgage bank in the US and it was a disaster. I had a subprime of subprime. I was giving <laughs> undocumented Hispanics in the US. And when the subprime meltdown came, I was in the middle of it and I was, got destroyed. Then I became CEO coach. 
I invested in software companies. So I've been around for, let's say, in a serious way for 23 years. So you're a CEO of a company that is moving and shaking. Do you have your own venture still somewhere on the side? I have a couple of ventures on the side, but mostly I like to invest in real estate for cash flow. And I've used most of my money to invest in real estate. So that's what I've been doing for the last years. Good. Good to know. So I think it's important. And let me know what you think for coaches. And I know you're a CEO of a coaching company, but for them to be involved in a business so that they're really in the thick of knowing what their clients are going through. Do you agree with that? 100%. So at Growth Institute, we probably 95% of our revenue is online education and probably 5% is coaching. So we do a lot of online education. But the clients that I coach, they said the one thing that I like the most is that you're a CEO. And you're every day like us trying to figure out payroll and how to grow a company and things like that. So yes, the perspective of being a CEO on the coaching side is very powerful. So Daniel, you're the CEO of Growth Institute. Are you also coaching clients? I still coach probably 15 <laughs> hours a week. So I tell people that Wait, today I have three we- jobs. <laughs> Gosh. Okay, so go I ahead. coach like 15, 20 hours a week. I'm the CEO of the Growth Institute. And then I am writing my books. I have three full-time jobs today. And what is your current book that you're working on? So I'm writing a book of a CEO system. So let me kind of give you a little bit of background. A lot of entrepreneurs come to me and said, hey, what's the most important book I need to read today? And I was like, that's like going to the doctor and said, doctor, I'm sick. Give me the strongest medicine that you have. Like, no, what are you sick of? What's hurting? How old are you? Like, there's a lot of things to really understand what's right medicine and doses. So I think it has to be the same entrepreneurship. And then I go to companies and I ask them, hey, the best companies in the world are amazing with systems and procedures to really build a business. Show me your systems and procedures. And they brag about their accounting system and production system and customer support system. And they say, and I'll show me your CEO system. How do you run as the CEO? And they look at me and say, like, what do you mean? And I'm like, if you have systems and procedures for everything, show me your systems and procedures. How do you run? How do you decide the strategy? How do you communicate? They have no idea. So my book is a recommendation of a CEO system, depending on what stage your company at. And I believe the growth stages are in four stages and what you have to do exactly on each stage. So it's like a formula of the 12 things you have to do in every stage to go to the next stage. I will be buying that book, as you know. Is that going to be through Growth Institute or on your own? It's my book. I'm self-publishing it, okay. but I'm using Growth Institute brand and we're going to use it and, and distribute it to the Growth Institute platform. So talking about business ideas and decisions, so it's going to be your own book. Your name yes. is going to be the author yes. and you will self-publish under what imprint? Your own? Self-publish. Scaling up? Just, yes. Okay. And will you use something like Scribe to do that? So I hired a couple of agencies and people that are experts on publishing books and they help you get to the number one list, the typical thing, right? They really create a strong campaign when you launch a book Mm -hmm. and they will help me get all the ISBN and distribution list and all that, but it's under my name and brand. 
Right. And I know that I'm digging, but which company are you using? I know this. I'm publishing a book soon. I've done two years of research. I've gone from self-publishing, professional publishing, hybrid publishing, vanity press, traditional publishing. I'm on my second agent. So this is important information for entrepreneurs when they're thinking about publishing their book. Do you remember the name of the company you're considering? So I'm using two. NGNG, a lady called Amber. Amber Villauer. She's, she's doing amazing. my book launch. Yes, oh, she's, girl. She's doing my book she's launch. amazing. She's amazing. I'm in love with what yes. she does and the systems and everything. Yep. She I'm does. right she's there brilliant. with you. She's brilliant. Yep. And then she recommended me with a guy called Kerry that I imagine same of Igniting Souls. And okay. Kerry's going to do all the ISBN and structure and the rest. Great. I think so. that information is really impactful to entrepreneurs that are trying to figure out that whole hamster wheel of what choice to make. Thank you for going there with me. But very important. I did this because of my platform. I already have decent platform online and through Growth Institute and social media. So when you publish a book, you need to have a platform. And depending on the size of the platform, it's most likely the size of the launch. It'll be a percentage of that platform. Let's not pretend. But, But what Amber does is precisely that. Yes. How can you use your platform the best and get the most conversion, let's say, on your platform. And that's why I was super, super excited to work with her. But it's really important that whenever you decide to publish or self-publish or whatever, that you understand what platform do you have to be able to do it correctly. Absolutely. So piggybacking on that. So you're the CEO of Growth Institute. You're creating a book with your own name and your own imprint. What is the partnership with Growth Institute? And... (laughs) What are they Sorry. allowing or giving you? And is there any conflict of interest? No, we don't believe because we are perfectly aligned on the why and the clients. So at the Growth Institute, if you see our logo, it says Growth Institute, and below has two phrases, scale impact, reduce drama. That's everything we do. Let me go back because it's really important. It took us a lot of years of discussion and think process behind it. All entrepreneurs, we become entrepreneurs because we want to be free. And everyone has a different freedom, right? You want financial freedom, and that's a typical that everyone says. But you have freedom to work in whatever you want to work in the world and make your money with that. Work from wherever you want to work in the world. And a lot of people build a company because they want to live somewhere that they don't have a platform or a space to work, and they want to create a company to be able to work from there. Or you have an issue in your life that oppresses you and you want to be free from that. I'll give you an example. We have a client in Mexico, a very young kid. He's like 19 years old. And he built a bra for women that will detect cancer in women at 19. And he has won all these awards internationally. I'm assuming he probably had a mother or sister that had breast cancer. So his mother died when he was like 15 or so of breast cancer. And that's his jail that his mom died when he was 15. And he said, what will make me free is that I help more kids not to lose their mom at 15 because of breast cancer. So if I'm able to do that, I'm free. So every entrepreneur builds a company because they want certain freedom. What creates freedom? You want to do what you do bigger. So, hey, I want to help one woman not die from breast cancer. I want to be able to help a million women, right? Whatever you want to do, you do it bigger. I want to make money. I want to make more money. I want to, whatever freedoms you're looking for, you want to do at bigger scale. And then you want to reduce drama. All entrepreneurs said, hey, I love what I do. I just wish I could go on vacation. Or I really wish I could separate from my business at 5 p.m. 
and they want less drama in their life. So if we could help you do those things, that will give you freedom. So that's our company. I wasn't going to ask you this, but I'm going to anyway. I know a little bit about Vern Harnish. I met him because I'm in the EMP at MIT. Yes. CEO, yes. And I worked with you guys on your second summit this last summer, where I brought in the magician, Kevin Blake. Yes. The interview camera from our team. Yes. Yeah, it was great. So what is it like working with him? I think he's so well-spoken and he's such a powerful force of nature. I'm sure he's inspiring to you, And but tell me in your own words. So first... Vern was a big mentor of mine at the beginning. When I started growing my company, I had no idea what I was doing. And a lot of the fundamentals of business that I know and I operate on came because of Vern, or he teach me that. And so Vern has done several important things. First, he's kind of explained me what it was to build companies and scale companies, give me the fundamentals. Then he gave me a network. You know EMP. I graduated Vertigo of Giants or EMP today, 2003. And my graduation, got together with 2004 graduation, and we made a follow-up program called Gathering of Titans. And we've met 15 years after. So I've been going back to the same room at MIT for 18 years. It's just changed my life. Today, my best friends in the US, they're all from that program. That's my family. So he gave me an amazing network of entrepreneurs and friends that has significantly improved my life. And then I'll tell you a story a little bit of how this was built, because after I sold my company, Vern called me and said, hey, how are you? And I cried and complained on the phone. I was in not a good space in my life. I had lost all my money and debt, and it was a complicated space. And after complaining probably for a half hour, Vern said, are you done? And I was like, what do you mean? What's next? And I was like, I'm going to go back to Mexico to get a job. And by the way, my visa in the U.S., I'm originally from Mexico. My visa was tied to my business. When my business went under, I went to my wife and said, we're going back. And so we pack our things, sold our house, and moved back to Mexico. And I had to get a job to pay for the school of my kids. And Vern said, no, 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 you have to become a coach. And I was like, you're crazy. Like, I don't trust myself to be an entrepreneur. How do you want to coach others? I said, that's Daniel, precisely why. Daniel, I can why. imagine you pitching to me, hey, I had an incredible exit. I did an incredible job, but I'm bankrupt now. That's can I correct. be your coach? <laughs> he said that. Kind of that would be a hard yes. no, but yeah. Vern's awesome. <laughs> so Vern said, fine. But let me ask you a question. I was like, yeah, how are you going to pay your debts? And I was like, what do you mean? He said, well, your salary is going to be enough to pay your daily expenses. You don't have enough to pay your debt. So be a coach on the weekends and with that, you'll pay your debt. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and that was it. So I became a coach with him on scaling up. And it was very important what happened with coaching him and every entrepreneur I coached everything to help me regain my trust and confidence and reaffirming values and all these things. So my comeback was a really, really fast comeback. A lot of that was because of her. And then four years after, I came to Vernon and said, hey, love what I do. I make a lot of money. I pay all my debt. I feel amazing. I'm going to be an entrepreneur again. I'm going to stop being coach. And he was like, no, <laughs> like, what? you're one of the most successful coaches in the system. Why are you going to live? And I was like, you know what? I need to be an entrepreneur again. I'm 35. I'm really going to go back. It was like 38 or so. And I said, I need to do another company before I become a coach. I don't want to be a coach. In my, I want to be a coach in my 60s, but in my 40s, to be an entrepreneur again, I have to build another company. And he said, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to build education online for Latin America. And he said, no, no, no. The plot thickens. I see where you're going with this. And Vern said, no, no, you have to do it in English. And I was like, Vern, but you 
taught me about the BHAG. It's about what's your passion? What can you be the best in the world at? And where do you make money, right? And the second one, I'm not the best in the world. So I'm very strong in Latin America. I'm just going to do it in Latin America. He said, no, you're going to do it worldwide. We're going to do it together. And I was like, we're in. <laughs> and that's the way we started the growth Institute. And it's been an amazing experience. And I'll tell you a couple of stories after. And this is where you see the power of someone that has been focusing and giving all this value around the world for 30 so years, 40 years. So there I was, as soon as we started partnering, I went to a conference with Peter Diamandis uh, of Singularity. And I went to the restaurant. And when I came, the person was talking on stage. So I didn't want to kind of go to my seat because I was going to distract the person on stage. So I stayed kind of on the back, just waiting. And there was this other guy that was standing next to me and he kind of looked in my badge to see my name. And he was like, oh, you work with Vern? And I was like, yeah. And gives me a hug. And I was like, what? And the guy said, please tell Vern that I'm very thankful. And I was like, why? He said, well, when I had a company, I was doing like $40 million a year of revenue, but I was losing like five. I was having a really hard time. It was a disaster. Vern came in, implemented work of the habits, whatever. I just sold my company six months ago for $640 million. So tell Vern, thank you very much. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then six months into it, I was in a conference and they invited like 10 of us to have a dinner with some of the speakers in one of the suites. So I go up to the suite and the guest that was speaking was one of the Shark Tanks and Kevin Harrington, the first Shark Tank. And Kevin, it looked like he was not very happy being there. He was kind of part of the contract. They had to have dinner with some VIP guests and he was there. And the host was kind of telling him who was in the room, like, well, here's this guy. I'm trying to pump the people up so Kevin will be happy to be around. And he was not happy. He was not enjoying the conversation. And then he said, and Daniel is the partner of Vern. And he just immediately changed his posture and said, who's Daniel? Then he went around and gave me a hug. I was like, what's happening? I'm not sure I would hug someone that is tied to Vern, but I don't know him (laughs) as well. And Vern has not single-handedly scaled my company to that number. I bet I would, though, if, if he had. <laughs> but he said, tell Vern that I admire him a lot or whatever. Please. And I was like, happy to. Like you guys that stories, coaches should take equity in these companies that I, you're I stealing. could probably tell you 20 or 30 stories like that. Yeah. Everywhere where I go in the world, people say, you partner with Vern, how can we help? It's incredible. So, so are you true a partner at Growth Institute or That's you, uh, as owner? Yes. Huh. Okay, well, then there's another illumination. So how big is your company as far as full-time employees? So today we have like 30 full-time equivalents, but being a technology company, we leverage that a lot. And two, we work with probably 80 or 100 thought leaders and coaches. So even though our operating team is probably 30, mm-hmm. if you count the amount of people we send checks every month, right? we're probably around 100 people. The reason I ask is to flow into the question about how do your core values really support and develop and translate into how you run the business to those 30 core employees? So we have some core values, mostly about learning and growing. We're a growing organization. We have to be aligned with the mentality of our clients. But as an example, something that for us is very important. One of our core values is honor intellectual capitalists. Most of our partners are intellectual capitalists, are people that live because of their IP. And the one thing we don't like outside in the market is everyone hijacking their content and saying they're theirs or malusing it. We've had a lot of thought leaders that said, I could not work with any other company in online education, but you, because of the way you protect us, 
And that's part of your core value. So I'll give you an example. The other day I was talking with a very high caliber thought leader. I sold probably two or three million copies of his books. And he said, you can't imagine how many times I've been approached by Udemy and Udacity and Coursera. They want to give my course away or sell it for $10. Like I have 30 years of building my content and these guys want to destroy it. You guys value what I do, set it at a price that I'm not that happy because I think it's cheaper, but it's a good balance of the price that you sell, the value that you give, the impact, the coaching, the really makes sense. And that's part of who we are on our core values. So today I was having an issue with a thought leader of something and my team said, hey, can we approach the thought leader? I said, no, we need to call Vern and let Vern know first because foremost, we have a relationship with a thought leader of friendship. So I called Vern and said, hey, Vern, this happening. What do you think? Do this and this. Send him this message. Tell him that I said this and just go and deal with it. Perfect. And that's part of the way we run. So if you were to teach our listeners what you consider to be one of the biggest things they need to master in their businesses. And I know this is a little bit like doctor, I'm sick, but still, yeah. what is one of the <laughs> most important things that you would ask an entrepreneur to consider mastering? So depending on the stage, but I'll give you some ideas. So if you're on stage one, marketing, that's it. The one thing you need to know is how to tell people and the world about your service and what you do and get the right feedback and communication channel both ways. I really believe marketing is a two-way channel and you tell your prophets what you want to sell them and they tell you if they're willing to buy or not, price or whatever. So if you don't understand marketing, start reading marketing. And I'll tell you the way I had a discussion with someone I admire, Ryan Dice, a good mentor of mine. One day, Ryan Dice and I went to have dinner, uh, lunch, and I was having an issue. And he said, Daniel, you've told me this and you have a team or whatever. If you don't learn copywriting, you're never going to scale the company. Start reading all the copywriting books that you can yourself. It's not about, well, my team read it. No, you read it. You go to the copywriting course. You do it. You write. And I start doing it. My company start growing. So you have to start with marketing. And then two, after you start growing your team, the single most important thing is your team. And it's not just a team. It's the right team doing the right things. And this is part of what we teach on ImpactX on the book that I'm going to publish. People said, I want to scale a company. And I was like, you won't be able to scale a company. The only thing you could do is build and scale a great team. And if you build a great team, they will build a great company. Like, it's impossible you build a great company. Your job is how can I get the best players and then align them, give them the right culture, whatever, for them to go and build a great company. So if you do that, your company is going to rock. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I'd have to say I'm in business now 20 years. And I'm very scrappy. And really the first 10 years, it was more of a lifestyle business. And I scaled and grew it starting in about 2009. And I'm only really, really understanding and feeling and working on growing the team and seeing how that is absolutely fundamental. And when our business went to 80% of a drop over COVID, I learned just how important that is. And I leaned heavily into allowing my team to help rescue the business. And I have two gals that are a couple of years of, out of college that I just said, you're both amazing. And I'm going to listen to what you have to say about how we go about these steps in building our business back up. I sometimes say they single-handedly saved my company. 
that's not really true, but the load was very heavily on them and they did such an amazing job. And you'd think that a business dropping that much revenue would mean that I'm working more, but I'm working less because I let my team now handle their stuff. And I'm really a coach and a cheerleader for them. And sometimes I have to drop in and explain some things and then I just pull right back out and let them shine. So thank you for saying that. Yes. It makes all the sense in the world and very few entrepreneurs get it. It's uncomfortable. It's maybe not terribly intuitive. And I think it has to do with some ego on the entrepreneur's side. But once you get a taste of it, I think it's exhilarating and wonderful. So if anyone's listening to this, take a moment (laughs) and absorb. So thank your team. Yes, right. You know what? I thank my team so much now that I think it's white noise. So now I'm trying to do other things just to surprise and delight them. So Daniel, what is one of the most important strategies that you set out to do this year to scale and grow Growth Institute? So we've always been about video and the learning, but we believe the community is going to become way more important. So when Ryan and I started Growth Institute, we said there's two things that are going to win. So there's going to be an explosion in online education, and we're seeing it. Me, my mom, and my grandma are doing online education. But whoever is going to win after are the ones that have brands and experience implementing. Like they could give results. If you're able to prove results, you're going to do it. But today, we believe, in, and it's morphing a little bit our flywheel, is the community. People say, I want to be in a community online that we have the same feeling, interest, objectives all that, to be able to go together through a process. So today we're building our community tools for community much, much stronger than we were doing before. I would say I agree with that. I am in Ryan Levesque's Ask coaching program. And just like you talked about learning how to do marketing and copywriting, I am learning for the first time, mostly for my new endeavor, which doesn't include my core business, although it'll seep into that. I'm learning digital marketing, marketing funnels, copywriting, hooks, twists. These are all new things. And I'm learning them not because I'm personally going to be forever doing the work, but this is how I started my career back in the day. I learned almost everything there was to learn so that now I can source and qualify the professionals to take it to the next level. I know the language. And even with my book, Daniel, I'm looking at traditional publishing. I'm asking my agent and publishers, do you split test your titles? (laughs) They do not. But guess who is going to? Me. Of course. Now, a year and a half ago, if somebody used the word split test, my ears would have closed. I would have been like, not for me, moving on, not in my lane, but I can have a pretty good conversation with a digital marketer. I can have a good conversation with Ryan Dice or Ryan Levesque. Not that I'm a master and not that I ever will be a master because that's really their lane, but I need to know as much as I can to move to the next step. 100%. If you see an orchestra, the director, He's not the best piano player or violin player or whatever, but he understands the basics of every instrument. You probably don't yeah. know this. That is my past. I was a classical violinist. No I was idea. a concert master. <laughs> I had the no most idea. incredible directors. 
I had an African-American director in college, which was not very normal. In high school, I had a female conductor who was so fierce, which was, again, also not very known. So I get where you're coming from. So the last thing I want to talk to you about is to open up a little bit in the vulnerability of being the CEO entrepreneur of Growth Institute. What is the current biggest challenge that you're faced with in your business today? So going back to marketing, we built a marketing engine and process to get to a certain level and where we got to our level. And as you know, when you grow on stages between one stage and the other, you have to go through a valley of death that you have to relearn a lot of what you do. We have to relearn marketing today. The marketing that we have today, we're profitable, we're making money, we're growing, but we kind of plateaued in our marketing experience and we need to go to a different marketing that's going to take us to the next level. And how are you doing that? So we're testing several things. As an example, my VP of marketing is going through Ryan's program now, uh, Ryan Devec, and she applied to the consulting with Ryan. So we're exploring doing that. We're testing a little bit of outbound with LinkedIn selling. Mm. They're helping us to go through it to LinkedIn. I have a really strong LinkedIn. I have 30,000 people. Indeed, I'm already at cap. I have 2,000 people asking for connections that I cannot accept. And I you have to make a new profile or something. Yeah, but, but I don't make money through LinkedIn. I don't do anything through LinkedIn. You can though. Oh, I don't know how to do it. <laughs> so that's a marketing I have to learn, right? Today, everything we've done is, hey, we invite people to a webinar. We do a live webinar and then we follow up sales process. We're having evergreen webinars. Mm -hmm. So this morning I was recording an evergreen webinar that we posted an evergreen webinar. It did not convert it as we wish. We figure out the drop points and we re-recorded the drop points to be able to improve it. So we're doing four or five things yeah. to start testing what's going to work and take to the next level. And this is something also I teach in the book and we teach a lot at Growth Institute. Whenever you get to a stage, you have to unlearn a lot of the things you do. And then that takes you in a valley of death through the process while you relearn new things. And then it will take you to the next level. It's just a typical yeah. process, but you have to go through it. It reminds me as a violinist, I was performing professionally very young and I loved marketing and I loved the wins of getting booked, you know, the gigs booked. And if somebody were to call me on a Friday and say, hey, can you play this event next Friday, but I'm booked? I said, no, I'm busy, but I have another group that's as good as I am, probably better that I will send to you and manage. So this is how my company was born. But magazine ads were converting like crazy. That was the only place that brides and social You were advertising people. parties on magazines? Yes, in magazines, but wait, there's more. Wow. There was a point, though, of course, when the internet took over and those magazine ads were obsolete. So if I didn't <laughs> relearn, if I didn't pay attention about the new frontier and hop on it immediately, I would have died and never resurrected. But I moved to digital immediately. And then when magazines were calling me trying to pitch media buys, I also was a media buyer, which is very interesting. And I right. knew I would sit and talk to the rep and I'd be like, okay, how many impressions per dollar and all this stuff. And they're like, yeah, you don't need to advertise with us. I would have my rep saying, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so I think what I'm trying to say is both you guys had a marketing machine that worked 
until yeah. it didn't, until our world shifted. Still working, but at a certain level. Sure, of course, because we cannot go for, past that. Both technically, but also experientially with what we just had with COVID. Yep, 100%. Right? We just heard from Daniel Marcos of Growth Institute with such important lessons and messages for entrepreneurs who are growing their businesses. For more information about Daniel, please visit the show notes where you're listening to this podcast. For more information about me, go to my website, natashamiller.co. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you loved the show. If you did, please subscribe. Also, if you haven't done so yet, please leave a review where you're listening to this podcast now. I'm Natasha Miller, and you've been listening to Fascinating Entrepreneurs.